Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. We are in the midst of our 30 Days of Play Challenge, and I'm so excited to have our guest on today. We're going to be talking about how to enjoy play more, not just with our kids, but for ourselves too. To help me with this conversation, I'm inviting in Sarah Dooling. She has her master's degree in social work, and she is a registered play therapist. Sarah, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've been so looking forward to this chat. Yes, me too. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Oh my God. I'm always like flooded with nervousness when I hear that question. And then once I start, I'm like, wow, this feels great. <laughs> right? Like in the therapy world, we don't we don't talk about ourselves a lot. Hello, I am Sarah. I am, yes, a, I'm a, a licensed social worker. I currently reside in Massachusetts, but had been in California for, for many years. So I held an active license in both states. So still have this awesome chance to work with people in both states, which is lovely. I always say first and foremost, I'm a, I was a school social worker for 14 years and that I really feel like working in that community with parents and school personnel and kids and um, is, is one of my most favorite things is to be on a school campus and just to see the way all those systems interact, families and schools, classrooms. Yeah. And then I noticed when I was working at schools, it seems like kids don't get to play that much. I started to notice right. we gave them a lot. <laughs> yes. That in their long school days, they had 20 minutes of recess. And even then, a lot of times it was structured. I have this memory that stands out of kids playing jump rope and making up this song that was lovely and a teacher, a great teacher coming up and saying, let's teach them another way to play this. And I just remember thinking, wow, even people with the best intentions were really looking to like micromanage kids play a lot. Anyhow, that led me to discover really the, the field of play therapy and the field of play and how rich and robust it was to learn about play. So I guess kind of did all the requisite credentials and things like that. And yeah, I get to kind of make play as my work now. So I work with kids in play therapy. I work with people who are working on becoming play therapists. I love, love, love getting to spend time with parents, consulting, yeah, coaching, yeah. supporting. Yeah. So I do a little bit of all of that now, but uh, Hopefully that answers your question. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sarah, and you know, I didn't prep you for this, so I hope that that's okay. But I just felt 
a hit like that, you know, I think lots of our listeners at some point or another are going to consider and think about like, does my kid or does my family need play therapy? And so uh, can I ask a couple of those questions before we dive into like the play content, just because I feel like that's such a, you know, Mm. we we have you here. And so it's such a hard thing to know, too. Yes. What are some of the things that would let you know that your child could benefit from a play therapist or that your family could benefit from a play therapist? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Okay. So of course I'm biased because I am a play therapist, but I would say, uh, you know, you know, we have such a hard time answering these broad questions right in the mental health world, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it my best. I would say if you feel that your child is, would benefit from is in need of therapy. And I can talk more about, you know, a variety of reasons. Absolutely. It should be a play therapist are my thoughts um, is that it should be someone if your child is 12 or under. And that's, of course, bias. So play therapists spend, you know, 150 additional hours learning about play and working under someone who is trained as a play therapist supervisor. So to, to me, that just it just makes sense developmentally. Yes. What's the difference between talk therapy and play therapy? And why would it be better, especially for kids 12 and under? We are really getting into it now. Yeah, let's do really- it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this might be a separate episode. I don't know, but we're doing it. Yes. Okay, we'll make two. So the difference is everything, I think. So sometimes when I'm talking about initially with parents or, you know, newer therapists or school personnel, I'll say like, if I was going, if I was in the airport and I was, you know, my daughter was, I have a six, a six, newly six-year-old daughter, but, and I had like a 50 pound bag we were taking, I wouldn't ask my child to carry it for me. It's just not appropriate, right? Like we just wouldn't think of it. So to me, when I hear that question ever of like, we'll just sit and have them talk in therapy, like it just isn't developmentally appropriate, right? Like the way their brain grows, right? The prefrontal cortex, it's all this stuff, you know, and, if, and I know like a tiny, tiny bit about it. So I'm not, certainly not like a neuroscience person, but you know, uh, to me, asking a child to go into a room and talk about what is causing distress, pain, mm. suffering is maybe also I'm going to really just like dive into like analogies and metaphors here. So again, we'll keep mixing them in is if I was seeing someone as a, in a as an adult in therapy and I asked them to come into my room and they said my preferred language is Spanish. And I said, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to speak to you in English only. Like I would never do that. We wouldn't dream of right. that it's just it's not appropriate it's not the language they prefer and so play you know we say is a child's first language of from the time they're so little right if you can all remember when your babies discovered peekaboo and right even before then right they're they're playing it's how they come into the world um, and that's how they communicate with us right if we have a child who recently you know witnessed a car accident like we would be sure we had play cards out and things, right, that they could choose to kind of play out and show us mm-hmm. how they, as adults, what we do is we might go in and want to talk through it. And well, it's so abstract, really- right? So talk, like talk therapy is so abstract, you know, like metacognitive process where you're talking right. about your thinking, you're talking about your cognition and, mm-hmm. and children just don't have access to that mm-hmm. type of processing. They don't, yes. ha- it's too abstract for them. Abstract thought kind of really comes online around 13 is when mm-hmm. we start seeing it come. And so it makes complete sense that you said 12 and under should be going through play therapy just because they need a more concrete opportunity for processing. And that's mm-hmm. what play is, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a former yeah. play therapist too. So I mean, this is the, like, it's so, oh, it's, I'm squealing. I know, right? It's <laughs> yeah. so much fun. And, and it, and it makes so much sense, right? So I, I hear that you're saying if you're thinking your child needs a therapist, might need some mm-hmm. support, some mental health support, 
and they're 12 and under, definitely seek out a play therapist. And I feel like I have two kind of follow-up questions to that. Yes. One is how do we go about finding Mm -hmm. the right Mm -hmm. play therapist and one, hopefully that's covered by insurance. And then the other question is, okay, so just in general, how do we know it's time for our kids to get more support? Mm. What is that moment in time where we're like, okay, I think it's time to start calling around trying to find someone for for that. Yeah. Gosh, million dollar questions here. But yeah, let's do it. Your part one is, oh, I was making that face. I know people can't see faces in the podcast, right? But they're like, oh, it's so hard right now with managed care and insurance, right? Like I mm-hmm. feel that. And I know, you know, more and more therapists are, aren't accepting insurance. And so I just, I, I recognize there's a lot of stress that comes with that. So if you, I don't know if there's a way we could link it somehow for your listeners, but in the, the Association for Play Therapy, it's a4pt.org. That to me is the best website to go to. You can put in your zip code and they will, they kind of track all of us who are registered. Okay, so it's it's a, a4, like the letter four, or sorry, the number four, a4pt.org. Okay, yes. make sure it's in the show notes. Yes, 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 exactly. Yeah. So they have like a pretty user friendly site and you can, you know, pop in and see who's in your area. It's it's not like stature cities are saturated with play therapists. So so that's also a challenge. I think the way to find out, you know, should you be calling around, just like finding an adult therapist, right? Is calling a few and really noticing how you feel on the phone in that consultation, right? Do you feel safe? Do you feel connected? But yes, and I so, okay, there's also wonderful therapists out there who are not officially registered play therapists, I should say. There are lots of therapists who are maybe on the journey to becoming a registered play therapist. I see many of them for supervision and they're brilliant and wonderful. So the ideal, I would say, is seeing someone who's a registered play therapist. But certainly, you know, if you're shopping around, I love goodtherapy.org is my favorite site to, I think they do the, like I think reviews. they have the best. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. No, not reviews so much, but like if you're searching in your zip code in your area, mm-hmm. I prefer it to psychology today for lots of reasons but okay so if you're looking around and then I think you it, they allow you to therapists can share more about themselves you can okay. really like get a feel for the therapist so you'll find people on there who it will say they work with kids and I would say of course call them to be curious do you have you do you use play therapy in your work I would ask if you're looking for a therapist for your child I would absolutely encourage you to ask that question hopefully that's helpful yeah. And I just want to mention too, that I know that for folks who aren't in the therapy world, the letters behind names can be confusing, but they're so confusing. You know, so there's a lot of, like, there's a variety of people who with certain mm-hmm. degrees who can go on and become play therapists. So mm-hmm. you might find someone with, I'll see you licensed clinical social worker, a licensed clinical psychologist, a licensed clinical or a licensed counselor, a licensed psychologist, and marriage and family therapist and LMFT. And so there's a variety of letters behind names for people who can go and get a kind of a a certification in play therapy. Okay. (sighs) Okay. And so then now the the big question of what is enough of a red flag? What is enough of a struggle? I know how I would answer this question, but I just, I'm curious. Oh gosh, now I feel like there's a right answer because I think you are so smart and you're going to know the right answer. And I'm not I don't think right. that there but is a right answer, but there isn't. There's <laughs> really not a right answer, everybody. There never <laughs> is, right? When it comes to our kids, especially. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind as you asked it was always found in all of my work and in my personal life, parents know their child the best. You know your child better than anyone else. Sometimes I think we have a gut feeling and we need to listen to that. So I would just mm-hmm. put that out there, right? Like maybe there's not a measurable or quantifiable 
experience, but you like a consultation with a therapist, an initial session doesn't mean you're locked in, you know, to any kind of long-term treatment. I would say if it's impacting functioning, right? Like if it's impacting functioning, if you, if your child is having a really difficult time, isn't able to go to school, you know, sleep is deeply impacted. Of course, you're also maybe consulting with a pediatrician, but I would say like the, is it impacting family functioning in a way that's causing, you know, significant distress? That's like so ambiguous, I recognize, but also like each mm-hmm. family unit, I think just knows their unit the best. Tell me what you would say. No, I, yeah, no I, I completely agree with you. And then the only thing I would add is that when it comes down to it, you know, what would be so wrong with your child having mm. positive experiences with a mental health professional early on? You know, most of us grow up, and end up needing to go to therapy at some point in our lives or another. And there's barriers to that and stigma. And Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be so lovely if we raised a generation of kids without that stigma who didn't already have it by the time they were 10, because, you know, they went through a hard time transitioning and had access to support, you know? And I mean, and during a particular time in their lives, you know, like it just, Mm. I, I think it could go, I think that there's just, you know, there's this, I think that in the in the world of folks who aren't in therapy and even some of us who are therapists, because I know I've actually been caught up in that kind of that thing. Well, it's not bad enough to go to therapy, you know, I've had that thought before and I know the the truth. You know, you're having that thought that probably is an indication that it actually is time. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's beautifully said. And, you know, it's just what popped into my mind as you said it was this reminder that we are all com- well not even coming off of still kind of living through especially in these winter months Ugh. you know the effects of the global pandemic you know our nervous systems have been hyper aroused for years at this point our kids are and have been deeply impacted by that you know from the top of their heads to the tips of their toes you know like mind body spirit all of it so i absolutely yes i think this is a time where it's hard to think of yes how it wouldn't benefit you know i think especially in play therapy the the focus just yes on emotional literacy right like yes we wouldn't it be great to just have a generation of kids who can talk about their feelings and you know kind of express some of what they've been living through you know they've been witnessing the adults in their lives also be really unsettled and scared at times and um you know i think that's really left them shook um and that will manifest in different ways. So I, I love that. And I think with play therapists, especially another plug, or just all gifted child therapists, is you will be such a part of that, you know, adventure that it isn't like your kid goes in the office, the door closes, they come up 50 minutes later, and you're really not sure what happened. Like, find a therapist <laughs> yes, who yeah. wants, like, you are the most important intervention as a parent, you know, like, find a therapist who you feel really good with, and who, you know, you're such an important collaborator in this. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that I teach in my my program, Playful Healing, is mm. that ultimately parents are very well positioned to mm-hmm. provide a lot of healing oh, opportunity yes. for play, like a lot yes. of healing play for their kids. Yes. Um, they have something already built. They have a relationship, an attachment relationship with a mm-hmm. child that's already there and is the prime context for healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. parents have just a lot of power yes in that way oh yeah so, yes yeah. I, I I love that about when play therapists involve families um it's yeah. it's so important yes and if you're not involved you can ask to be more involved you know, yes. like you are a vital part of that um experience absolutely 
Okay. So after that Ooh. detour, Sarah, <laughs> I appreciate you kind of going there with me on a surprise yes. basis. I liked doing that together. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, so I do want to, I'm kind of what we were thinking about talking about today then was about kind of enjoying play. And Ooh. so I think that there, I hear from a lot of people that they just don't like playing with their kids, that it's mm-hmm. mind numbingly boring, that it's just not enjoyable. They have things they'd rather do if they were going to sit and relax. It would not, yeah. their idea of a fun time would not to be play with their kids. And right. I I feel like I would love to just dig into that. Like, why do you think that is? Why is it so hard for some of us to really enjoy playing with our kids? Mm. And I, I also, I also feel like Anyway, go ahead. We'll go. We'll maybe go a different direction mm-hmm. in a second. I'm my my ADHD brain is bouncing around right now. <laughs> it's hard, and it's hard not to when play comes up. Okay, yes. Oh my goodness, I just want to really empathize with that. I, I I know you. I was sharing with you earlier, Laura, and we were talking that I have all this shame and guilt I carry because I, you know, like endorse play and promote it, and it's you know my Instagram account is filled with play, and and my six year old so wants to play with me at the end of my work day when all I've done is talk about how important play is and I can feel myself like irritated and like not wanting to right and like this mm-hmm. is supposed to be what I do so yes I feel this I mean I think part of it is you if you're listening to this and you're a parent a caregiver you are exhausted like your bones are tired your brain is tired like think of what you've lived through the last few years um, you know, you're working, you're caregiving full time, whatever it is, you are exhausted. You have so many roles, Oof. so many roles that we're carrying and juggling, right? Exhausted doesn't do it justice, right? So then, yeah. And then it's time, maybe you've worked 10 hour, you know, 10 hour work day. We're all working too many hours in a day. And you sit down and your kid is, you know, making you full of like pretend pasta and hands it you this is like a, an actual memory I have of course and you're like pretend to take a bite and you're like oh that's delicious right and your kid's like no it's hot it burns you and you're like oh I can't get anything right <laughs> and so like this happens a lot too is your kids are correcting you right like you're not playing yes I yeah. want you to play and and I would love it if we can tag that and get back to it at some point because there's like some really easy tricks to work with that but I think after a long work day and just like this huge level of exhaustion that's that's frustrating, right? And that's hard. You can't even get that right, right? You've been giving, yes. giving all day. Yeah. yeah. And listen, so I, I think hope there's that... so many reasons that popped to my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the we I actually t- covered a lot of that piece of it in the episode that will come out right before. Excellent. One. So oh, if you missed that episode, go back and listen to it because it is a big learning how to play in a way that's enjoyable for your kids will actually make things more enjoyable for you because we don't like being corrected all the time. And what's beautiful about it is if you're playing in the right way, you can just release any of that and they'll just tell you exactly what to play. And it's so much easier, right? Mm -hmm. I do dig into kind of the tracking and reflective listening and stuff in that episode. Yeah, yeah. So the but the, listen to that one. Then. Yeah. <laughs> I want to just highlight this kind of this shame and guilt. I want to like pull it out there because I think people get the idea that there are some people who are just good at playing and who just like it. And then there's some people who aren't. And I don't think mm-hmm. that that's necessarily true. Like, mm-hmm. so when I was a babysitter, you know, as a teenager, when I was an aunt, before I was a mom myself, I loved playing with kids. Mm-hmm. I also had way less responsibility, way la- less attachment to 
to the person I was playing with way, mm-hmm. way less response, perceived responsibility for that, mm. per, that those beings happiness, you know, and, and, mm. you know, they, there was no social pressure. Like if the kid I was babysitting had a, had a tantrum, no one was going to mm. blame me for it or crit, you know, look down on me. There's just, there's just so much less on us mm. before we become mm-hmm. parents. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then there's mm. also this like, there's just this social pressure out there that we are supposed to just love playing with our kids and, and play mm-hmm. with them a lot. And I, I think that that's really new. I, I'm kind mm. of curious, Sarah, do you remember playing with your family, like your p- family growing up? Do you remember uh, like oh. them playing with you? Ooh, that just gave me like a wave of some kind of feeling. I'm not sure how to name it. <laughs> I felt something there. Funny, the memory that's popping into my mind as you asked that is that my dad would take my sisters and I, there's three of us, up to the high school in our small town where all the buses were parked and just like left open and just let us like run on the buses, like wild people, which of course is for like so much liability, right? You never do I that love now. that though. And they're great memories, right? But But now to me as a, mom it makes so much sense that like at the end of the day my mom was like take them <laughs> get, get them out, out of the house <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know I can conceptualize it differently um, so that memory stands out I think early early childhood memories but I had an older one sibling who I was really really close with so no most of my memories are my sister and I have an only child which someday if we could ever I would love to like the, the pressure of play if you have an only mm-hmm. <laughs> not that it's anymore I don't mean to at all you know oh no it, it definitely is my friends who have only is like the Ooh. pandemic was living nightmare I for them <laughs> for you. yes and how you like how do I teach how the heck do I teach independent play right to my only child so anyway another another time <laughs> but no so I have great childhood memories but no I do not have a med I hope my parents don't listen to this but um, you know massive amounts of memories of this like super engaged play and I had a great childhood yeah so where do you think that this pressure comes from for us to play with our kids so much oh my goodness what a great question because we do I feel it all the time I mean I don't know if it's within the I I don't know with, with I'd be so curious if your listeners were able to like jump in and share here but I think as someone in the field it, there's a ton of it. So I think as in like, if you're in the childhood, early childhood world, I don't know that we shame each other. I think we try to support, but it's there. Like, it's like, I know too much. Like I know how helpful play is. And I'm like, well, great. Now I know she really needs it. So I got to keep doing it. I know. So like the ignorance is bliss kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think that if you are in any realm, like if you're attempting to improve your parenting at all, one of the very first earliest interventions that any parenting coach or educator out there is teaching you is to play with your kids. And of course, that's wise because play is where connection happens. Play is where emotional processing happens. Play is where where kids feel seen and heard and valued. Of course, play is, is valuable. But I do, I agree, there's a lot of pressure to be playing with our kids. And I'm kind of curious about, as a play expert, what is oh, your- so good. <laughs> yeah. What is your opinion? Like, do we need to be playing with our kids all the time? No, because we know, we don't believe, right? Parents are the most important intervention in a child's, you know, healing and growth and development. Parents need to have their oxygen mask on first, right? So parents, and if there's this massive amount of pressure to be playing all day and not rest, I know that there's so little resting happen, but not restore and not 
space out, maybe looking at your phone for a few minutes, right, or whatever it takes, that that's going to impact your ability to show up. So I, I think as a, as a child therapist, I would certainly rather, and I, I know we're looking to a different direction, maybe, but like, I try to work with parents on like a, a, a robust, shorter amount of time. Yeah. So like, could, could we commit to like a 10 minutes where you're just all in? Cause you were just like filling that bank account in a different way. So yes, no, yeah. it doesn't have to be through. And I think to work on some sound bites that you can use when your child asks, cause I think it pushes, it pushes such a, a button for me. Right. When I hear those sweet words, like, will you play with me? <sighs> right. And it just stirs up so much of like, of course I want to. And oh my gosh, like, am I ruining her if I don't? And, but I really want to get dinner done. And so like how to like spot that, you know, take a breath, like some ideas of what you could say that are, you know, like restorative and supportive of your child. Anyways, the answer is no, I do not think we need to okay. be. And I need to hear that advice because I also am a, a victim of putting that pressure on myself. Okay. So listener, dear listener, you have two play experts in your ears right now telling you, you actually don't need to play more with your kids. In fact, we're advocating spending less time playing with your kids, but making that play time that you do spend with your kids really deeply nourishing to your relationship and to their their mental health and their emotional health and their physical health too. If you're roughhousing, mm-hmm. it's good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we're advocating is that you not play more, but you play deeper, smarter, better mm-hmm. in a way that's really that. restorative to them. I love that. Yes. Okay. And so, th- so those are, I think that those are things that we've talked about elsewhere, how to do that. But I want to talk about for a second, why this idea of playing less, but in a deeper way can actually help you enjoy it more. Why do you think it can, that could, can you see it helping you enjoy Uh those 10 minutes more? Why, why would it be more enjoyable Uh, from your perspective? Yeah. I mean, initially I think it's like, you know, going into it. So if you have, you know, a a visual timer, however you're doing it, it's contained, right? It's not like, how am I going to get out of this? <laughs> it's like, I, I know that it's this amount of time. But I just think there's like relief that comes in knowing that. I also think the same way, I think this is just true as humans, this, that's based on no research, strictly anecdotal, that like we can get into a play zone. We see kids do it all the time and, and we try to pull them out of it, right? Like you've seen your kid and, and I don't know, like take a minute here. Hopefully you can like call upon this if you're listening. Like when your kid is in the zone, Hopefully like they've seen it a lot because that's what they're doing in this play challenge right yes. now. Oh, you have. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So hopefully seen they've it. seen that zone a yes. lot with their kids. So they're in that zone, right? And so if we try to really like just, okay, we have to go right now. Pull we them interrupt out, like, them. Yes. yes. Um, I think I, we can get in that zone with them so we can get into it. And so I think it becomes enjoyable because you know, like I'm dipping into this and I'm staying in it. Mm-hmm. you know, for this many minutes. It's not that like one foot in, one foot out, right? That yeah. we're doing so often throughout Full the day. Presence. Right? Like, yes, like your phone is not there, nothing's there. And so it's 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 so hard to get into that zone with all that distraction. And I felt myself doing it this morning. I, my daughter was so happy. We were looking at this book and I just like kept checking my phone to see like, did my sister call me back yet? Has this, right? And so like, I, so I had to like move it physically. And I knew like, okay, this is like a 15 minute dose that we're doing right now. Um, I had to remove it, but it was, it's like a one foot in, one foot out. So if you know you're just like diving in with both feet, you know, it's contained in that way. I I think yeah. that some awesome inner child stuff comes up, I especially so if they're using the skills that you had talked about, right? Of like, I don't have to guide this. I don't have to lead this. I'm just a participant. Yeah. My child is the director. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, if we come from that place of, okay, so we've minimized distractions. Our goal here is not to entertain our child, but to connect with our child. So we're going to come and come in with full presence and then coming from that place of really like marveling at them or really understanding, like I'm going to get to know something new about them right now, kind of bringing that beginner's mind to the way we're going to be with them, that curiosity, Mm -hmm. that just that delight, that kind of reveling in them, that makes it so much more fun. And that like that learning to delight, to savor that's a skill you can learn, right? That's mm-hmm. a cognitive perspective you can put on with mm-hmm. effort. You know, it's not something that people are just naturally good at. I mean, I think some people are more naturally inclined to that, but it's definitely a skill you can practice, it is. right? It is. Yeah, it is. I think, yeah, you're naturally good at it if you if you've received it, like if you're an adult who received it as a child, like all the way through, right? You, But that's just not the case, you know, for all of us. But yes, I absolutely believe, yes, we can learn to do that. Yeah, just to, oh, I just love to the way the delighting them. in them. Yes. Yeah, delighting. Oh, and just <laughs> what that feels like as an adult to feel like someone you know delights in you, or that you just light up the room, you know, the whole time you're mm-hmm. with them. Yes. Yeah. And again, it's these short bursts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, short bursts. Yes. So I, I feel like there's a few things. I don't know about you, but there's a few things that when I'm struggling to kind of get into that mindset with my kids, that oh. I do that allows me to kind of drop into that space. Is there anything mm. that you do as a therapist that helps you like, you know, cause we, we face that we, we have to kind of mm-hmm. shift to a new client and are there things you do mm-hmm. in your head to kind of get you there with my child, not with, with your child or with, uh, with a client, whatever, you know? Yes. Clients thinking about them before leading up to it. So like really, and I think I heard Bonnie Badenoch speak about this on a podcast, like the brilliant Bonnie Badenoch about like just really spending time thinking about and picturing and like how to, feel to be with this person so you, you can, can do that totally with your, child. Do with your child too yeah you can yes. be thinking about okay so today we're gonna have you know my kids on their way home from school their other parent is bringing yeah. them home there and when they get home we're gonna sit down and have our special playtime and just be thinking about them yeah. what were they doing all day today when they get home I'm gonna see their little yeah. smile you know yeah really like kind yes. of preparing yourself for yes. their presence yeah I love yes that. oh I love the way you translated it to our kids I'm gonna use that more with my kids yes I do it so often with with work yeah so just yeah, exactly. Like kind of daydreaming. I, I think I have a couple answers for this, but one is starting to notice what type of play helps you come alive a little more as like a parent and a caregiver. Cause there's mm-hmm. certain things when my daughter picks, I'm like, like puzzles just aren't my thing. I mean, I'll do, I'll do it. Cause I, it's great for executive function. Right. And I see all the benefits, <laughs> but it doesn't, but like last night, her grandparents brought her these old, old Muppet dolls. I wish I, Oh, you couldn't, they couldn't see them anyways. But that they that my husband had had from when he was a kid, the like and, oh Pizza God, Hut ones, <laughs> like these. Little, I don't. <laughs> I know they're like what... ba- right. Like it was like I, Kermit Gonzo. Yeah, I know. Just forty ones, years yeah. old. Oh my <laughs> gosh, amazing! And with all the clothes we could dress them up in, and I, <laughs> as soon as I saw them, was like, I just felt something. Like I, we are going to dive into that later. So Your I little like inner it. child woke up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you. Right. So I, I would say notice not, not that your child only right needs to play what lights you up, but just start to be curious about it and be transparent with your child about it. Like, I mean, I think it's fun for them to see like, Oh, I just loved when we did art together that day. Something that just felt so good. If you, you know, that's, I think just like a lovely 
like loving comment to make and but your child is going to like that seed is planted and they want to do things that you can both enjoy right like co-experiencing that Mm -hmm. joy and delight so I think you have to kind of be in it I think I say the same thing to play therapist like if there's a toy that drives you bananas and you just like dread it when the kid picks it like get it out of your playroom like it's probably not going to be you know great work's not going to come out of it so start to, you know, like I know something different happens when my daughter and my husband are using like mastery toys and they're building blocks, like something really beautiful is happening. Um, so I would say pay attention and just be curious about that. And so if you feel like maybe it's a struggle because you just like really don't enjoy art, like maybe make a suggestion like, hey, I've been really thinking I want to try, you know, that new, that we just got Candyland. Let's give it a try. Like I think, I also think it shows like a different level of investment that kids can get excited about. And I think it's just easier for you to show up and be present when it's something that you are genuinely enjoying playing. Yeah. I like, I really like that and appreciate that. It's okay to, you know, you saying that it's okay for us to decline playing with certain things. Like it's okay for us to have boundaries. I think it's important for us to recognize like, who is this play for? What is the purpose of this play? Is it for my enjoyment? Is it for our, you know, our relationship? I know that this comes up a lot when, um, when we're thinking about, so some folks in, in our community, a lot of their kids play happens on screens and parents mm-hmm. aren't interested in Roblox or Minecraft. And there's a play, there is room, of course, for you having your own interests. There's also room for you setting aside kind of that kind of yeah. what it real you know and learning how to delight in something that delights your child learning yeah. learning getting just really curious about what is what is my kid so into this like what is lighting him up or her up about mm. this you know just really just getting curious about like so even if it's not something that you that lights you up being yes. really interested in what they they're clearly doing you know if they want to mm. play Roblox you know 5 hours a day there's something happening in there but mm. beyond just the psychological design of the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there's something happening there. What is it? Get Dig in there with them. Get really mm. curious. Sit next to them and watch them, you know, and still take on that marveling quality of like, wow, you know, when you f- they first started playing Roblox, they didn't know how to do these things. I don't know how Roblox is played because my kids don't play it. <laughs> so I have I have no idea how what it is. But, you know, but just I'm sure that there is improvement over time and you can marvel at those things with your kids, you know, and they can teach mm. you how to do it. I think that it's really important to have a balance between those boundaries around like I have 20 minutes of Roblox in me a day, you know, I can't do it for an hour, you know, but for 20, you know, or for 10 minutes, maybe it's 10 minutes, I can really listen to you talk about Roblox, you know, it's okay to have that balance of boundaries for yourself and just understanding that you don't have to be interested in the thing, you just need to be interested in in the child. Oh, I love that. Such an important point. My goodness, that is so beautifully said. Yeah. And I just I'm like, imagining now, like if you're consulting with a parent about that, right? Like, who and who is this, this burst of play for and I love like having a like a nice balance of that. Like this is for us to co experience joy and delight. And you know, we're gonna let's, let's have a list on the fridge of things we both love playing and let's pick one and right. But then yes, here's this other window where hey, I recognize this is something that you really dig this really you know fires you up and I want to be curious about it oh I love that I love that it's just like clean and like discreet you can like think of it in these two ways yes parents yes that is great another thing that helps me kind of drop into that kind of that marvel that delight with my kids is thinking about to like two years ago, how would they have played with this object? 
and how are they playing with it now? So like when my kids get out to something like magnetiles that they've played with since they were 18 months old, you know, and now they're 10 and seven, they play with them in such different ways. They use them in such, and it really allows me to marvel. Like it's no, you know, when they were three, it was when they got them out, it was near constant tears as they collapsed and wouldn't stand up and they tried to build things that were physically impossible, you know, and now they don't do the physically impossible things or they, Mm -hmm. you know, they have such creative ways of using other materials to get their creations to stay up. It's just, it's Mm. beautiful. And so really like tuning into their growth helps Mm. me a lot because I find child development fascinating, Mm. you know, I have a a friend and a client who's in my membership who feels that way about their art. And so she's always able to find marvel and wonder and delight Mm. in kind of thinking about the progression of their art development. She's an artist, you know, I mean, so there's a, I I think that there's a way in for each of us. We just have to find it, you know? Oh, I love that. And there's all these different suggestions. Now I'm picturing these all written on like a nice list. to kind of help you when it's time. <laughs> yes. And as you were talking, I, I just had this thought because because my child, so my child just turned six yesterday. So I'm like flooded with nostalgia, right? And like remembering like <laughs> six years ago today. Or, and I, I kept thinking, oh my goodness, she couldn't hold her head up. This yeah. human, right? They can't even hold their heads up. <laughs> and then they do. And then like, yeah, so really, yeah, that's such a beautiful suggestion. I'm going to use that as soon as my child returns from her adventure today of like, yes. And, and, and when you use the word Marvel, it really does that. Like what their bodies and brains have been able to accomplish right in this short amount of time. Yeah. And to see how that plays out. That's lovely. I was thinking of the other one that I have to use. This is just not as beautiful as yours, but it's very concrete. And it's what I use when I'm like last night, I was I was gonzo and I was like pretty, you know, pretty into what we were doing, but I felt a thought come up because it was, we had had a birthday party that day. So it was like really messy, right? I'm like, oh, I'll just get up and clean this. And I have to say to myself, not now thoughts, like not now mm. thoughts. And I just have to do it every time it comes in, right? Like the spirit of mindfulness, but it, it helps me when I know this is a protected time right now. I'm in the middle of a protected, I picture like I've unzipped, right? Like another world. And we've like dove in <laughs> like yeah, we're in yeah. it for this long, but the not now thoughts, uh, when you know that's I'm committing, you know, to 15 minutes here, or I'm committing, you know, to whatever it is, just mm-hmm. the not now thoughts. Yeah. doesn't matter if the, the, the president of the United States calls like we're busy. I'm unavailable. I love mm-hmm. that. I think being having really good internal boundaries, boundaries, good, healthy self-talk, you know, with yeah. us, being able yeah. to be kind, like it makes sense that you would mm-hmm. want to be cleaning up because, I know. you know, <laughs> I mean, and there's, there's some of us who can't get into deep play if mm-hmm. the tidying, you know, things haven't been te- checked off the list and there's mm-hmm. a, that's okay too. That like, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like there's so much, you know, it feels sometimes as parents, there's like, no matter what we do, someone's going to be critical of, Mm -hmm. of it, you know? And so then there's this place of just kind of accepting yourself, you know, Mm. of just slowing down saying, it's okay for me to like to have a tidy home before I play. I'm going to give myself five minutes of tidying and then 10 Mm -hmm. minutes of playing and then five minutes Mm -hmm. of, you know, and just okay to have those, those boundaries and flexibility and yeah. And I think, you know, learning the, you know, key, key phrases that work for yourself about how, because I think that guilt comes up again, right? Like, mm-hmm. I should be playing. I should be of like ways that, that you can help your child see like, oh, I'm struggling. I, you know, I, I really want to get this done first. So I'm going to, you know, set the timer and do this. Or, you know, it's just, I think if we're just, if we're, I find, you know, when we're like transparent with our kid, right? In that like loving, you know, respectful, authentic way, they're, they're 
pretty yeah. awesome. Not, I think they try to, they're almost always. Oh, of course to be, right? they do. Yeah. They receive it so well. I mean, if, especially if you are really honest and authentic and say, you know, look, sweetie, I really want to have that tea party with you. But if I, we do the tea party right now, I'm going to be thinking about that dish full of, you know, that sink full of dishes over there. And I want to enjoy the tea party. So let's get the dishes done. You can help me. And then once it's done, then I can be fully in the tea party. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like that's beautiful modeling for our kids. It's really important to model that sort of thing for our children. Mm, Yeah. And like some of that inner conflict, right? Like to name that, like, oh, I feel so torn right now. Yeah. Because I I want to do this. And I also feel like I need to do this. And take a breath. Okay, here's my plan. Make a plan. We can work together. Yeah. 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 I love that. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I feel like we covered a a huge range of of topics here. If the listeners want to find you and learn more, where should they go? Oh, please do. I would love that. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at healwithplay. I would love to see you there. Yeah. You can find me there. You can find anything you want about me there. That's, That's the one stop. Okay. I'll make sure that that's linked in our show notes. I so appreciate this. And I hope that we can have more conversations in the future all about play. It's so fun to geek out. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Same to you. Okay. So that was such a good interview. And I so appreciate the opportunity to discuss how we can go about enjoying our kids play more. And if you were curious about those skills that you can bring to your children's play that not only allow you to enjoy it more, but allow them to get more out of the play so that it's more restorative and more connecting um, so that they can feel seen, heard and valued in those kind of short snippets. I would really recommend you checking out Playful Healing. Playful Healing is a eight week course that teaches you how to hold 20 minute healing play sessions with your children. And it's not even 20 minutes play sessions a day. It's just 20 minutes a week. I teach you all of the basic play therapy skills that we mentioned today in this episode and in the episode last week. It's included in my Balancing You membership. So the membership is available to you when you join. You get all of my courses. You can choose to work through them at the pace that's right for you. And you can ask questions in our weekly office hours. So if you are wanting to learn more about this, about Playful Healing, you can check that out at laurafroyan.com slash Playful Healing, or you can just join the membership, laurafroyan.com membership and get started today. All right. Bye. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.